Welcome back to another episode of the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. I'm your host, Justin Martin. And we don't have Catherine with us today. She left the Coinbase Ventures team for another amazing opportunity in crypto. I'm so happy for her and excited about what she's going to do. But while she's not going to be a host on the Coinbase Ventures podcast, she will be an amazing guest in the future. And this week, I also have an amazing guest. I'm speaking with Lawrence Zlatkin. He is the vice president of tax at Coinbase has an illustrious career as a tax professional and a tax lawyer. Uh, and that's right, we're getting into tax and crypto. We're gonna talk about all the ways tax can be a mystifying and confusing and challenging topic. I'm sure you have a lot of questions around your own tax obligations in crypto. And we're gonna break it down, talk about it, and help you understand what you should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to tax and crypto. So let's dive in, here we go. Lawrence, awesome having you on. Uh, I actually was thinking about kind of the intro for this um, over the last week or so, and I'm like, man, not the most exciting topic in the world. No offense to you and your profession, but <laughs> most oh, people I get probably, that. All, I get that all the time. Don't yeah, worry. they probably don't necessarily look forward to having a really interesting conversation about taxes. But my God, is this relevant, right? I mean, it's actually one of the biggest hurdles to people getting involved with crypto is they're worried about their exposure on taxes, worried about all the different complications that come about. And to be honest, it's confusing. It's hard to understand what's going on. So I'm actually really excited that you're here and we're going to chat about this. I'm thrilled to be here. In fact, I love Around the Block, so I'm glad uh, it's great, great to be part of this. This is what I like to see, you know, our fans coming on the show, right? There we go. There we go. Um, well, hey, I, I thought it'd be nice if we could actually start it off just with, you know, a high level. I wanted to get your perspective on generally like how taxes work and why crypto is taxed and the general framework you have for taxes in crypto oh boy that's an open-ended question it is an open-ended question yes <laughs> so i guess um it's like almost going back to genesis like why why do we have taxes at all taxes basically are you know i can produce a lot of quotes from um, some of our founding fathers of, and oliver wendell holmes at the foundation of civilization they paved the roads they're critical to our infrastructure they're just essential for a modern civilized society but taxes have existed in our world pretty much since the civil war and since world war one to pay for various initiatives and there are different ways in which they're calculated in which they're actually applied and the most common one that people think about is an income tax so um, income tax generally is what you earn when you work for Coinbase, you work for your employer, that's your compensation income, but it can also include sales and gains from property and the Internal Revenue Service, the government views crypto as property. That's one of the challenges we have, but they have told us that it's property. And so therefore, when you buy, sell, trade in crypto and you do various things that may people may not think about as being subject to tax, and so you may be subject to tax on the gain you have when you sell it. So you might buy Bitcoin at, you know, 10 bucks or 3000 bucks, and now it's worth 47,000. And so when you sell it, that triggers gain. That's what we call an accretion to wealth. And the government likes to tax that. That's one form of tax we worry about in crypto. But in the case of crypto, this, it gets confusing though, because it's kind of like a square peg into a round hole. You mentioned the IRS treats crypto as property. And, you know, for a lot of us, like, what, is crypto property? Like, it's something different. It's, it's just a brand new thing. And so it feels like there's a lot of misapplication or misunderstandings around the nature in which crypto is taxed. I think that you, for me, at least my, you know, naive perspective on this, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there when you said, look, when there's an accretion of value, when you have a gain, 
that's generally going to be taxed according to income tax laws and you know capital gains laws and all of that, right? So that's kind of my frame. Do you do you like feel a similar vein there? No, I mean that that's sort of the the that's sort of the nuts and bolts of how our system works. And essentially your um, enhancement of your um, life, if you will, your the value you bring to yourself if that increases in some way. There's always someone else who has a hand in your till in your cookie jar who may want to say, well, look, you benefited from our society, from our systems, and we want to tax that. Now, there are different ways in which tax applies, and that's equally true for crypto. There are different types of taxes. There are sales taxes, which could apply to the sale of NFTs, for example. So there are other aspects that yeah. apply consumption taxes in different countries. There are property taxes, but the fundamental and, and if you if you earn Bitcoin by working, that's compensation income. So that's different. I would say this is a great segue into exactly what I want to get clear on, which is exactly how crypto is taxed according to the many different ways you can use and interact with the crypto ecosystem. So I want to break those down. Why don't we start? I think the most common use case for crypto is people buying these assets on exchanges and then holding onto them. They're kind of a speculative asset of sorts. How is that activity taxed? The mere holding and purchase of crypto is not a taxable event. So it's something the government wants to know, but it's not an item that should be or would ordinarily be taxed. So if you're a hodler and you just simply hold on to crypto and you do nothing with it, there is no tax associated with it. That's the easy one. Yeah. And more or less, it's it's buying and selling. It's a selling part that incurs the tax. So this is actually... We're, uh, we're getting into some misconceptions that are very common out there, right? Some people are concerned, hey, if I just buy a crypto, I'm going to suddenly owe this huge tax bill. No, you only owe tax if you sell and if you sell for a gain. So the end of the end of today's segment, by the way, I really want to get into some common misconceptions with you, and that's one that we'll cover at that point. But this is kind of the baseline, big gold star of this podcast. Look, if you're involved in crypto and all you're doing is buying and selling, the only activity you're taxed on is when you sell. And if that sale produces a gain, correct? I would probably broaden that a little bit because I think, and it just ties into your notion about a misconception. So a lot of people may think if I am buying something and I'm selling crypto, that's not a taxable exchange. We call it, like I call it a taxable exchange. You call it a sale, but it doesn't really make any difference. It's all people have the misconception, as you say, that only when I monetize that in my function, like what I consider to be my functional currency, which is the U.S. dollar, only at that point when I leave the we use the fiat rail and I get out, out of the system and I monetize it. And at that point, am I a wealthier person? Only at that point should I be taxed. But that's not true, actually. So when you exchange, when you essentially the terminology from a tax standpoint is called a sale or exchange, which is a material change. And so if you have X and it becomes Y, that could be a taxable item if Y is worth more than X. And by the way, Y might be worth less than X, in which case you have a loss. And in our world, at least with capital gains and losses, you can offset gains with losses. So both of those are taxable events, what we call taxable events. I don't want to be too technical here, so I'm trying not to go to geek land. But in essence, you net all these things together, you account for them, and it's only that net component that is taxed. But it's not But I just want people to know yeah. that it's not just purely when you convert it into U.S. dollars. Yeah, you're hitting a second misconception of mine. It doesn't matter if you actually put put the, the you know, the trade into U.S. dollars or not. And if there's any sort of gain or loss in that value, those are taxable events which need to be accounted for. Lawrence, could you give me a simple explanation for like 
how you know somebody who just buys and sells crypto casually on Coinbase, how their tax bill at the end of the year is accounted for. So if you simply hold nothing, so if you simply buy something, that's the easy example. If you then sell, you typically have to sell something you actually own. So, and you have to choose which one of those, what we call lots, are going to be the basis for your sale. And you can actually, in the crypto world, you can choose which lot or which item you're actually selling. That's not atypical. Most securities markets let you do the same thing. Sometimes they have limitations. There are different accounting rules for how you do that, which again is probably a little bit more complicated, but you would choose which one you wanted to sell. Typically, most people choose the one that has the highest basis, which reduces the amount of gain associated with that. So if you do 10 transactions, you choose the lot from which you're, you bought, from which you're then going to sell. You then have a, you have 10 transactions, 10 taxable amounts. Those would add up into, take the gains and losses, they would add up to a net item. And then you would essentially determine whether they were held for more than a year, whether it's subject to long-term or short-term capital gains. And that would be subject to tax at the end of the year. And yeah. any one of those is identified. There's a form for that that you do. And what, you know, what exchanges are going to ultimately develop is a mechanism for accounting for that. So that you, so most people don't there even think go. about yep. this. Okay. So like yep. most people, realistically, if you do this with respect to the traditional financial industry, most people get a financial statement at the end of the year. It's called a 1099B and the 1099B summarizes all those uh, taxable items. And most people just throw it into a shoebox. They give it to their accountant or they actually download it and they put it into TurboTax or some other yep. format and they get a net on. They don't even really think about it. But when you're, but when you're trading, on Coinbase, Kraken, whatever, you're generally picking and choosing. What is really unusual about crypto, which is atypical, is that you could take your BTC on Kraken and sell it on Coinbase. And that is unusual. Most in the traditional financial services world, if you hold something on Fidelity, it's only the Fidelity asset you can actually sell. So that just yeah. attaches more complexity to it. We're, we're definitely getting uh, into Nerdland, I would say, right? <laughs> um, the, the important thing to note is if this does sound confusing, well, it is confusing, unfortunately. But the good news is I don't. I think the average you know, crypto enthusiast doesn't have to know all these details. As you say, their activity is generally going to be on exchanges who are going to be able to keep a record for you. And it's going to be a couple clicks of a button to, to have some other service, or in the case of Coinbase, our own tax center, essentially help help you prepare your taxes. So you don't have to think about all the minutia of details going on here. But if you are somebody that's new to crypto or thinking about dabbling in crypto, it's important to recognize that for the most part, you are only taxed when you make money at the end of the year. If you net out all of your trades and that it turns out you made money, well, that's what you're taxed on. So let's talk about DeFi. In the world of DeFi, how should people be thinking about their tax burdens there? What are taxable events and what are not? Uh, well, fundamentally, it's not really any different. So the underlying tax principles are the same. They're no different from for DeFi than they are on a centralized exchange. But the permutations of what you can actually do in DeFi are a lot more, I guess, for want of a better term, exotic. So you can do more things in DeFi than you can do necessarily um, on Coinbase or another traditional exchange. So if you're pooling, if you're putting your money, if you're trend, if you're wrapping things of that nature, those could equally be taxable events. In, in the traditional tax world, when you pool an asset with someone else, you form a partnership. And a partnership is actually a, doesn't even have to be a legally organized entity. 
it actually could just be an informal partnership between me and you, just so we can just decide to pool our resources and then we decide how to allocate the profits and losses associated with that. So that becomes a little bit more complicated. And so you have, you really, I, th- I think the print just the real premise here is it's not really different. It's just more things can happen. And because Coinbase doesn't know or no one knows what you're doing on DeFi, only you do, then you're the one who's responsible yeah. for keeping track of all this stuff. And that's hard because most people, most I don't even think most people even know that everything I just said is true. And in fact, a lot of people in terms of your misconceptions don't even realize that if they don't get the 1099, that they may still be subject to tax. So if you are playing in DeFi, as you say, it's important for you to keep records of what you've done. Good news is it's all on the blockchain. So at some point we can all just kind of look back and, and figure it out automatically, but it's hard to do today. So keep keep record of, of the things that you have done. There are outside companies that try to help you do that. So it's not like you're you're alone in doing that and you have to go and figure it out entirely by yourself. There actually are people who actually do that for a living right now. Yeah, definitely. Well. Um, actually, it leads to another question of mine too. If you were to stake in DeFi, that's very popular, right? You put it into a smart contract and you're staking it and they probably give you some sort of a reward in return. Is staking it itself a taxable event? Uh, no, I think if you're staking and the underlying, so the staking reward is taxable. Well, that, that itself is a controversial statement. So I'll, I'll leave that aside for a minute. But the, the mere act of staking, if, if what you're going to receive back is exactly what you staked. So you just pledged it, you gave it to a validator and you get a reward associated with it, but they give you exactly that amount back plus the reward. I think most people would say that's not a taxable event. Now, Again, it could become more complicated. You could have ETH, right, which is being transformed into proof of work to proof of stake. And so ETH1 may be different than ETH2. You may have forks associated with what you do with your asset. Again, so you can't make a blanket statement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you brought up the question, maybe you didn't, but what is about the staking reward? There's, I, I wouldn't even say it's controversy. There's some, there's some, um, effort to try and make us for people to argue that a staking reward is not taxable upon receipt. I think the IRS and most practitioners would say it is. It's like an accretion to wealth. So you're taxable on it. You'll probably get a statement from Coinbase about it. But there's a pending case that's um, that's so-called Jared that's been subject to much discussion that challenges that proposition. Let's go to another one. Airdrops. Let's say I participated the, the ENS airdrop, for example, right? The Ethereum name service. Um, if you had, you know, participated in that program in the years past, they suddenly released a token and they airdropped it to everybody who had participated in ENS in the past. It was kind of a free gift. How are those taxed? The IRS views that as an accretion to wealth. It's worth something. You can sell it. So as long as you can sell it and you have control over it, we call it dominion and control, you're taxable on it. Now, if some airdrop tokens are not, they're, they're not, they, they might be available, but the exchange might not support it. So we've had instances where items have been either forked or airdropped, and we you know there's something out there, but the person who holds it can't receive it or do anything with it. So you're not taxable in that circumstance. But when you actually get it in your account and you can sell it and trade it or send it to another wallet, then yes, that's taxable. Mm. So you're only taxed on it if you actually receive the asset. Yeah, we call never it actually received it. Yeah, the tax term of art is called dominion and control. So when I have when I have the right to actually use it and do something with it, 
and transfer it somewhere else or monetize it or convert it, that's when you're taxed on it. And what is the basis? Like, what are you taxed on specifically? Like, is it a free gift? So it's cost basis is zero. And so if you sell it, it's the, the gain is, you know, the entire value that you sold it for. I'm assuming that we're not talking about a fork. And so we're not talking about something a little bit more complicated. If you're simply airdropped a token, that's just essentially a gift from the sky. So basically the, the, the you were taxed on the entirety of that. Is that the wealth accretion, you haven't done anything. So the wealth accretion, or if you have, it's a service and you're earning income for it. So it's compensation income. So you're taxed on the and entirety. You're saying, that. yeah, you're saying too, you're taxed the moment that you take control. In other words, you were given something. Now it has value. As soon as it's given to you, then you theoretically own, you know, it's a taxable event, so you probably own some gain on that. Correct. Okay. Right. This is this is interesting, right? Because here's one example where crypto can get a little bit off the rails. Um, it's trivially simple for somebody to code up a smart contract and airdrop a token to anybody, right? And so I could do it. I could create Justin Coin and I could give it to anybody that's participated on the Ethereum network. That's like, you know, millions of people, right? And then I could also put some of those tokens into a Uniswap contract and trade a few times, right? And give that token some measure of value. Did I just give all of them a taxable burden? How do we think about that? If it's worth something and they could do something with it, the answer is yes. Now, you know, I'm sure Justin Coin or token will be worth a tremendous amount because we don't know who it is. But, <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> but, you know, if it's Lawrence token, it's probably worthless at the outset and probably stay that way. So, you know, it's just a matter of, but yeah, I mean, if you basically, and I, again, I, I want to also throw out the theoretical with, throw in the theoretical with the practical. There's just a practical limitation on how far we can extend some of these principles. So, and that's like, there's a balance in that. So if we're talking about something that's 10 bucks, if you're talking about a gaming token, for example, like the ability for the IRS to police that kind of stuff is extremely limited. So, but if we're talking about large amounts where people really start earning large amounts of money because Justin Coin just skyrockets in value because it's the thing to do, and the thing to own because it's like it's solved the world about gas fees or whatever, then yeah, I think anyone who received that and who makes money off of it is going to be theoretically taxed on that. Yeah. In, in my mind, it's like, look, if it actually does have value, if you can take it somewhere and exchange it for other things of value and you can actually realize the value it's supposed to have, then it's definitely a taxable event. Okay. Let's move on. What about NFTs? What about NFTs? <laughs> How are those taxed? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with all my NFTs? <laughs> so NFTs are interesting. We know that in crypto is viewed as an intangible asset. So it's property. So an NFT will be viewed as property. I could then give you lots of technical terminology that applies in the tax code about what is virtual currency. So um, and what is a digital asset and determine whether it's going to be applicable to an NFT. There's no great answer for that right now. So I would just say it's property. And therefore, again, if you're creating an NFT and you sell it, that's no different than you basically being an artist or you being a musician and you're selling your, like your goods into something tangible or intangible, if you will, that someone buys on the NFT marketplace and that income becomes taxable to you. The person who buys that property right, because it's now been it's now been sort of reduced in code into a property right and therefore resells it, that's also gain or loss now with respect to property. So it'll be I'm talking about core basic tax mm -hmm. principles. So that'll be taxable as well. 
And then if there's a royalty, pay to the initial creator because down in the smart contract, something was written, which is kind of unique to NFT so that the original creator is still compensated down the road for what that person did. That similarly is also going to be subject to tax. And that is just a royalty, just like you're in a royalty for writing a piece of music or creating something. So the creator would be taxed on the royalties they receive. If I buy and sell an NFT and part of that sale goes to the creator, um, can I deduct that from my tax burden? I guess I didn't receive that value. It went straight to the creator, so that wouldn't count for my tax burden. Okay, I see how this gets confusing, by the way, but <laughs> the high level here is, as you say, NFTs are property. They're treated generally the exact same way Bitcoin and Ethereum are treated. Um, you know, you, you have a cost basis when you buy it, you have a, a profit or loss when you sell it, and you know you pay on the gain or the loss. Yeah, I would say as a tax person, I would say BTC is like a type of store of value. So one of the examples that people make is that NFTs might be viewed as collectibles. Collectibles are taxed differently than other capital assets. So oh, got it. Okay. they're subject to, so that there might be a variation on a theme, but you know, fundamentally it's property. And so yes, yeah. the gain associated with property is taxable. Now I can, I can honestly take this conversation and go off the rails with it and we can go really deep in this rabbit hole and talk about all the ways that's possible and all the hiccups and challenges they're going to face. But bringing it back, I think the important thing to me is, look, we're going to find solutions to this and we're going to make it consumer friendly. And it's probably going to be a reasonable sort of, you know, again, it actually the, the initial point too is look, if you're actually taxed on crypto at the end of the year, it's a good thing because it means you made money. Right. It means you actually, you know, your balance sheet expanded. It means, you know, you, you, the, the, the set of value that you own is, is increased. Right. So if you actually do own tax, it's a good thing. And at the end of the day, down the road, we're going to figure out a way to make this super easy. It already is much easier today, but it'll get a, even easier over time. You remind my mom used to say when I would complain about taxes, if I ever <laughs> did that, she said that that is a blessing. It's you're blessed to have that problem. It reminds me a little bit of yeah. Calvin and Hobbes, where Calvin's dad would always say, yeah, it builds character. Like, <laughs> don't worry about the stuff you have to do. It just builds character. Yeah, taxes build character too, but it's also a blessing. I can get it. All right. <laughs> um, Lawrence, I want to switch gears. Let's talk about misconceptions. A lot of misconceptions okay. around taxes and crypto. Um, actually, one you just recently touched on right there. That misconception that, look, would the government even know if I'm in crypto anyway? Can I not just like hide in a hole or forget about it and you know no harm is going to come my way? Is that a reasonable defense? Like I, I personally think that's wrong, but what do you think? No. So, and the simple answer is if you file, the way the government has solved that problem is that they put a question now on your tax return that basically requires you under penalty of perjury. It's a big thing in tax forms that you sign something under penalty of perjury, it's like holding your hand on the Bible in a court of law. And basically you're saying you, Justin, have no income associated with the sale or disposition or sale or exchange of crypto for the year. If you say no, but you really do, then that is no different than any type of fraud. I, I don't want to use that term too strongly because I think there's like a, um, you know, a scary element to all that, but basically you can't hide behind. So I understand the misconception you just described. So a lot of people, as I said, I think went earlier, if you don't get the 1099, you don't get this form that you give to your account or that you download into TurboTax, then there's nothing to report. Like I didn't like, I just like the world works with, all this information being given to me. But, and that is a problem because in the world of crypto, we don't at Coinbase, no exchange today will give you a sale or exchange statement. So our tax center is now set up to give you the information, but we don't send anything to the government yeah. on a 1099. So, but the fact that you don't get it doesn't mean that you're not taxed on it. 
Yeah, I would certainly suggest everybody be faithful and honest about their crypto transactions. If you make you know transactions on the blockchain, those are forever. Those stick around forever. And trust me when I say that you know the IRS. Well, you mentioned it. Frankly, the IRS is very interested in tracking activity and figuring out who's doing what because they want to make sure that they're at least collecting their fair value from taxes. You kind of have two people who might be misrepresenting their tax burden to the IRS. One is the people who are trying to be sneaky and get away with it. The other is people that, hey, just didn't think about it and or didn't know it was a burden or for whatever reason it slipped their mind or you know maybe they just didn't know about it, right? The vast majority of people in, in crypto, they want to pay their taxes. They want to be good citizens. And for them, look, if you did make a mistake in the past, this is a great thing to do is voluntarily mention it to the IRS, right? And go down this path and um, they're going to probably, you know, it's probably going to work out just fine for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I frankly, I don't worry about the people who, because you're talking, if you're, um, look, if you've earned millions of dollars, let's say, off of crypto from like the rapid increase in value of Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, and you're sitting there with a Ferrari outside in your driveway, you probably have a reason to worry, actually. If yeah, you probably should average, have known, hey, I got taxes to pay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of illogical for you to think that that like somehow escaped the tax system. Okay, let's move on to a couple other misconceptions here. Another one is, look, if I use my Coinbase debit card or any other, you know, if I pay for my cup of coffee with Bitcoin or crypto, that's not taxable. That's a misconception. It is taxable, right? Totally a misconception. So, um, and that's, uh, it's a sub I call it microtransactions. And it's really kind of unique. Yes, that is a taxable event. Now, if you put USDC into your card and you use that obviously that has not you know that mirrors the us dollar so we're not talking about any accretion any increase in value but if you use your bitcoin to buy a pair of jeans to buy a latte in fact i was on the panel this this afternoon the irs talked about using bitcoin to buy a latte that was the example that they used um that is a taxable event so let's move on to another one uh transferring crypto from one of my wallets to another one of my wallets or if I'm holding you know, crypto at Coinbase and want to transfer it to another exchange, that transfer action is taxable. But that is a misconception. It is not taxable, right? Yeah, that's not. If you simply are moving crypto from one exchange to another, that is not a taxable event. You have the same crypto before and after that you haven't done anything. It's like taking you know, a $20 bill in your wallet and moving it into your pocket. Yep. No different. So <laughs> I feel like I was a little bit unclear there. The misconception is that transferring Bitcoin from one wallet to another, from one exchange to another is taxable. That's a misconception, it is not taxable. You're not, as you say, transferring uh, the underlying asset at all, no value or gain, no, no value or loss is being accreted, so there you go. Um, okay, another misconception. If I don't settle my trades into the US dollar, that is not a taxable event, but that is a misconception. So as I talked about, the, the fact that you have just exchanged Bitcoin for Ether and you're just like trading on crypto, when you trade one crypto for another, that is a taxable event. Doesn't matter whether you've exchanged it into US dollars or not. So it's not, so you're not just taxed when you leave the system and you've monetized it and you like you get off the system through a fiat rail on Coinbase and take it out and put it in your, like your Chase account. Yep, yep, exactly. Okay, let's talk about best practices and some pitfalls. So best practice, I think you mentioned one already. One of them is, hey, keep records. But I think the underlying point here is, look, you got to keep records of all your trades so that you can kind of do that master counting at the very end and figure out what, what total gain or total loss you had and satisfy your, your tax obligation. Um, but there's two parts to this in my mind. Number one would be an easy path where you just do all of your transactions through centralized services that will provide you with the reports of all the transactions and all the taxable events that you have done. And then it's very easy to take those reports, 
give it to a third party that can consume them and spit out the final number. Correct? Yes. And that already exists in some form. It may be primitive. It may not be fully advanced, but there are services that do that. We at Coinbase will do that for you if you're only on the Coinbase exchange. We don't have APIs into other exchanges right now, but there are other services. I mentioned one coin tracker. There's also Taxbit. They will, there's Luca. There are other services that will actually do that for you. Yeah. So for the average, you know, crypto enthusiast, if you're trading across many different exchanges, it does make your tax burden a little bit more complicated because you have to get reports from all the exchanges. And by the way, any DeFi activity that you do. And this maybe raises the second point, right, of best practices. We talked about this earlier, but look, if you're participating in DeFi, if you're doing anything with a self-custodial wallet, those transactions are not today easily categorized by a third service that can just kind of spit out the report of all the transactions that you've done. In fact, DeFi, by the way, you can swap your moons for diamonds for whatever the heck it is that nobody knows what that is, right? But you have to keep track of those because they are taxable events, potentially taxable, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, that, that I think is extremely hard and but it's subject to the same prevailing principles and there's no magic bullet that will solve that problem because the determination it's not easy to determine like you need a sophisticated tax professional to tell you whether that's a taxable event or not and each of the services i just mentioned have their own teams that will form their own view which may be correct or incorrect about whether those are taxable events so like eth to eth2 is like a big deal in the tax community about when and when that becomes a taxable event. When the state, when if you stake it and you pledge it, and you don't have a right to use it because it's locked up. Whether that's a taxable event and whether the ETH is taxable when you when you constructively receive it or you don't. So, people have to have a view about those things, and it's not easy to do that. Yeah, I'll tell you what my frame is. My frame is look, I'm going to do all the things in DeFi that I want to do. I'm going to keep records. So I need to keep records. I'm also going to trust that the tax community and the government. They'll figure out the right way to handle these taxes in the long run. And look, I'm only going to be taxed if I made a gain on these anyway. And so I should be happy if I'm paying taxes because it means, hey, I made some money, right? But I'm not sweating the small stuff. As you say, there's gray areas here like ETH1 to ETH2. Boy, is that going to be a gray area, right? At least for a while, but we'll figure that out and we'll make it easier for the consumer to, you know, make everything right and handle their taxes appropriately. That I totally agree with. So like I could tell you a lot of theory and tell you about all the interesting issues that as a geek, I think about from a tax perspective. At the end of the day, what I usually tell people and what I think about myself is just be practical, rational and reasonable. And you want to be able to sleep at night, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Yeah, I think we should put that in a tagline. Be consistent, be reasonable, be practical, and you're going to be totally fine. I must say that for the time being, at least, it's a bit of a reason. And I don't want to just shell Coinbase here because, you know, I wanted this to be a very, you know, honest, and objective podcast. But it is a reason for people who are newer to crypto just to use Coinbase. Because if you do it all your activity on Coinbase, it does simplify your taxes. You can go to our tax center, click a few buttons, and you're completely done and finished. If you go use other exchanges or use DeFi, suddenly there's a bit more of a burden on you. It's not material, right? It's actually not that challenging but it is a little bit more. Well, this has been, I think, a pretty illuminating conversation. I frankly learned a few things about taxes along the way here. So uh, I thought I was a, you know, I thought I'd be relatively knowledgeable on taxes given I kind of built my own software back in the day. But um, you're reminding me that uh, there's still a lot of details that are important to pay attention to. But as you say, the general rule, be practical, be reasonable, be consistent, and you're going to be totally fine. And by the way, there are a bunch of really easy solutions these days to make taxes very simple for you. So it's been great having you on. Is there anything you wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on? No, I'm thrilled that if I if I, I think I've accomplished something today, if Justin Marks said that he learned something <laughs> from Lawrence, that that is quite quite an accomplishment. Um, 
I just would reiterate the transaction tax point because I think it's something that people probably don't think about as well, particularly if you're selling and creating NFTs. There are obligations on you as a seller or creator that you may not know and that you're probably going to have to think about as well. So there are other types of taxes that come into play in the whole crypto world that you otherwise may not have thought about. Yeah, and probably a good point to mention that none of this is tax advice. If you are confused or unsure of what to do, be sure to reach out to your tax professional and don't uh, say tell the IRS that it's okay because Justin and Lauren said so on a podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Round the Block podcast from Coinbase. And I'm really curious, was it helpful to you? Uh, leave us a comment, give us a like, give us a share, but also share it with your friends. If you've got somebody in your life who's confused about crypto and taxes, let them know this is a great resource for them to think through all the different ways taxes might be applicable to their crypto activity. I want to make sure you guys are all staying safe and managing your tax obligations and being the upstanding great citizens that I know you all are. So with that said, also be sure to catch us on the web at coinbase.com slash around the block. You'll find all our other podcast episodes and long form research around the topics we talk about and more. Also be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in next week for another episode. Catch you then. Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks and uncertainties. 